Hey everyone, John here. Just a quick word of warning. Uh, we will be spoiling this film in its entirety, so if you have not seen this film and you don't want it spoiled for you, uh, just hit pause real quick and go and watch the movie and then come back and enjoy the show. You ready? to another episode of surviving chick flicks manly movie of the unclear amount of time edition <laughs> <laughs> so for the listener what you don't know is you're probably getting like a chunk of episodes within like a two-week span because we don't want to overwhelm you but uh between uh, our last episode the worst of the worst person in the world and this episode for you, like a couple of days has passed. For us, it's been a month. Has it been that long? Uh, uh, yeah. You know, I stopped counting at some point. It's just better not to know after a certain point. <laughs> That's true. The less we think about it, uh, the better off we are. By the way, <laughs> the better am, we'll feel. Yeah. By the way, I'm John. I'm Sammy. And I'm Joseph. And for this, we remembered our intro. Yes, <laughs> and for this unclear amount of time, this is Joseph's pick uh, for the uh, film that does not fall into the bullshit criteria that we made up for chick flicks, where we basically every one of our rules is just a justification to really just talk about what we want at this point. Uh, but uh, Joseph, tell tell them uh, what movie they already know they're, that we're covering because they saw what was downloading. Well, where were we are covering the uh, 1993 Al Pacino classic, Carlitos. Oh, uh, you had to add that in. <laughs> I did. At some point, it's just going to be a lot of Pacino lines. Um, and for 50 bucks for both of you, I will do the Pacino rap um, from Jack and Jill. Please don't. <laughs> yeah. Can we give you 50 bucks not to? Yes. <laughs> as long as I'm getting 50 bucks, I don't care. What I'm having to do on the show. Well, wait, let me pass. I want you to think about what you just said. I just, I, 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 realized, to I, it. I realized it was a bad idea the second it came out of my mouth. So, which is not the first time that I've had to say that. Uh, so, um, why don't we pause? Why don't we play the trailer? And then uh, we will talk about uh, Scent of a Scarface, whatever this movie was. <laughs> devolve upon me the painful duty of unleashing upon society a reputed assassin the prisoner's discharge call the next case you carlito brigante man you a legend he's one of us what's funny everybody's pocket big time he was big he's a tough guy he just got out of lewisburg man Sitting in jail, wondering where you are, what you're doing, who you're with. 
I can find Charlie. I get you. Now they don't need new kids nowadays. The shark's on you. Just to see you fly up in the air, man. Who are you working with? Retired. 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 <laughs> I got a good feeling about this club. I think we're gonna make some real money. But as soon as I make my 75, I'm split. Maybe you don't remember me. My name is... Maybe I don't remember the last time I blew my nose. If I ever see you here again, you die. Did you ever kill anybody, Charlie? Guys went down here. You just do what you gotta do to survive. I give you a million bucks to make a simple payoff and nothing happens. The contract's already down on your palm. You're gonna end up in that river out there. I'm asking for your help. Yeah, well, I ain't dealing. I ain't going back to prison no matter what. You said you would break my child. I gotta do this, just this one thing, and then I'm out. Every instinct you've got won't do anything but get you killed. He saved my life, Gail. Whatever he wants you to do, don't do it. That's what I am, right or wrong. I can't change that. Never give up your friends, Dave. And there's only one rule, you save your own ass. Didn't you ever have a dream? Yeah, I had a dream, Charlie. But now I'm awake. Carlito's Way, starring Al Pacino, Sean Penn, Penelope Ann Miller, John Leguizamo, Luis Guzman, a random appearance from Vigo Mortensen, a random appearance from James Rebhorn, a guy that looked like Joe Mantegna's stunt double, and directed by Brian De Palma. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have a usual question that I ask at this time, but I'm going to modify it slightly. Just just for shits and giggles. Um, Joseph, Sammy, when was the first time you saw this movie, and when was the last time you saw this movie? Because it's uh, been a while. <laughs> for me, I'm pretty sure I watched this maybe for the first time maybe early 2000s. Is this one I made you watch, or is this one you just went to on your own naturally? I, I remember... No, you didn't make me watch. I remember... Because I'll start to get into a bunch of Al Pacino. It's like, you know, I've never watched a lot. I'll know Al Pacino, but I've never watched most of his movies. Yeah. I've only seen, like, the major ones. And, like, uh, even though Carlita's Way is kind of a major one, but I've never seen it. I, I know for a fact you haven't seen all of the major ones. Because there's one movie you and I talked about recently you haven't seen. Plus, uh, I don't know if you... Because I know I haven't seen And Justice for All or Bobby Deerfield. And apparently on that last one, if we haven't seen it, apparently we're fine. <laughs> what was the major one I haven't seen? Uh, Cruising. Oh, yeah. I have not watched that one yet. No. And I, I want to do that on the episode, but I'm also afraid of Sandy. So <laughs> keeping that in the back of my mind. But, yeah, uh, I remember watching it and absolutely loving it. Uh, and it's... I still think it's a really good one. Uh, and I, the last time I watched it was like maybe three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Sammy, when was the first and last time you watched the movie? So, the first time I saw the movie was, I would say, about a week ago, roughly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ish. So, you know, better than normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the last time? About a, a week, week ago. ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so, for me, I have the unique pleasure of giving both of Sammy's usual answers. Uh, because I don't exactly remember the first time I watched this movie. I I know I owned it on VHS. I can kind of pinpoint a like good two to three year uh, time span in which I would have gotten this movie. Uh, and it it was no earlier than my junior year of high school, and no later than my uh, sophomore year of college, like somewhere in there. Because by that point, I had started getting into the films of Pacino and De Niro. Because one year for Christmas, I got the Godfather trilogy on VHS. And I watched uh, that entire trilogy, plus Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me as a break on Christmas Day. Like one day, I just, once we were done with family shit, I just started binging. As I was getting into Pacino and De Niro, I started seeing their other films. So around the same time, I was seeing Sin of a Woman and Scarface and Deer Hunter and Heat all for the first time around the same time. And then De Niro did analyze that and he kind of killed it. So here we are. And as for the last time, I get to give Sammy's usual answer of uh, the credits were starting to roll whenever everyone said they were ready to record. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like we got the, I got the text and I was just like hold on Pacino is dying and I gotta run to the bathroom well I figured since it had been so long um, since any of us had seen the film and I, I and I'm not blame, finger pointing or blaming anyone for that it is just it's been how things have been for a long time and this film is an investment and it was either be prepared slightly for the show or just binge watch more of uh, Amazon's A League of Their Own, which we'll get into later. <laughs> so I, I did the responsible thing for once. <laughs> so, so uh, Joseph, uh, why, why did you pick this movie as our manly movie of the month? Uh, well, well, I will get into that later <laughs> for me. Um, I know, but that's just me. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. say it. Right. But... I am happy that we are finally talking uh, not just uh, a director I really like. Uh, I don't like everything. I think he has great periods of time. And then he had, uh, he got the wind knocked out of his sails. And there was many years of the struggle to get back to the director we, we loved. And, uh, but this is also one of our favorite directors, favorite directors, uh, Quentin Tarantino loves Brian De Palma. And in fact, Once Upon a Time considered his films almost a religious experience. Because uh, growing up when T- Tarantino did, that was still in the like the, the classic era of De Palma. And Tarantino talks about um, going to see a De Palma film, and whenever it would come out on Friday, he would go first showing, first day, like 11 a.m., and he would, and like nobody could go with him, and that would be him taking in 
the story and then he would go back later that night usually with a friend so they could kind of discuss and analyze the film um so uh brian de palma this is kind of a segment i we kind of flirted with and i kind of do from time to time and normally we do it a lot about aaron sorkin whenever we just kind of yammer on about him forgetting that we actually have a film to talk about but <laughs> i kind of like to talk talk about the filmmaker and how we got here because this first we're going to start off this is a film that they started trying to make with Pacino back in the 70s like around 1975 and the film is based on two books um Carly and it is credited as being based on both uh both of the novels but honestly this is mostly the second novel not the first novel they just took the title of the first novel which was Carlito's Way and used it because they could not use the title of the second book uh, why is that um, well <laughs> the, the title of the second book is After Hours and um, yeah that's probably not a good idea to use that uh, yeah because De Palma and Martin Scorsese are contemporaries they were friends in fact De Palma is a lot of the reason one of the main reasons Scorsese did Taxi Driver, and uh, Scorsese had already made a film called After Hours, and uh, one day, one day, we don't know when, we don't know if ever, but we hope and pray that the movie finally gets released on Blu-ray from Criterion Collection. <laughs> Probably one of Scorsese's most uh, underrated films. But this, the books were written by a very famous judge, a man named Edwin Torres. He started as an attorney. He was like one of the first... Puerto Rican uh, attorneys and district attorneys in New York. And he wrote Carlito's Way based on some experiences he had. He actually um, made headlines because he sentenced uh, one of the youngest people to death row whenever he was um, a DA. Uh, He was like 16 years old, and this kid ended up getting exonerated uh, and released from prison. So that inspired the book Carlito's Way. And then later on, Torres became a judge and started seeing the corruption on the other side. So he wrote a second book and actually made Carlito part of that. And Carlito's actually not even a main character in that book. He's like just one of the characters. But in the, (sighs) believe it or not, to make this a little bit shorter than what it would have been, they just focused on Carlito. And there's a lot of differences between the book and the film, obviously, uh, including plot points. Like, whenever you find stuff out uh, versus in the book versus whenever the, uh, you know, it happens in the film. Like, the entire plot about uh, breaking uh, the gangster out of Rikers Island, you know by page 10 that it's, you know, that they're going to do that in the book and here in the movie, it's about an hour in, but this is a part of the attempt at a comeback era of Brian De Palma. See Brian, he, he started making films in the sixties. Um, he made some of the first movies with, uh, De Niro, uh, a trilogy of films, uh, greetings, hi mom. And I'm blanking on whatever the third one was. I think it was called the birthday party. But he really in the 70s is whenever he hits his streak of the absolute classics like 
you have uh, Blowout, which Joseph, you need to watch Blowout. That is, I know, it's probably the best John Travolta movie. Really? And I, yeah, it's you know, this side of Pulp Fiction, it's you know, probably his best because that movie is all about John Travolta, and John Travolta is just kind of a part of an ensemble in uh, Pulp Fiction. So, but I would say Blowout is probably his masterpiece. But you have Blowout. You have Carrie. You have The Fury, which was kind of a possession-themed horror film. Yeah. And then, you know, um, and they had uh, the president from that show that I keep making Sammy try to watch uh, <laughs> in it, Martin Sheen. Um, and then, you know, and then, of course, probably one of my other favorite uh, mo- movies he made in the 70s is a rock and roll comedy horror musical called Phantom of the Paradise. It is... Bug nuts, insane. I've it, heard it's good, and it's one of those I've never seen it. Oh, it's but so the, much fun. The cover, the cover alone looks batshit insane. It it is, and then in the eighties he makes probably one of his other, and and in the eighties you know he makes quite a few more of his masterpieces. He made Dress to Kill, a movie that. Uh, in all honesty, has aged about as well as a cup of yogurt uh, bought from a gas station in the desert. (laughs) But it is probably one of his best films as well because essentially it is his ultimate tribute to Hitchcock. One thing about De Palma is he loves to homage other directors and other films and there is so much Hitchcock, specifically Psycho in Dress to Kill. Now, the film is very in a 22 in a 2022 lens viewed that way. It is very transphobic. It is very misogynistic. But it is a great erotic suspense thriller. Then he made, you know, Scarface. He made uh, a mob comedy with Joe Piscopo and Danny DeVito called Wise Guys. Um, I've never seen I'm that. I'm still trying to like see if I hear any film that I recognize or that I've, I have seen. And I think, so far, well, we are getting to that because he may. You wait. You've never heard of Scarface? No, I've heard of Scarface and I've heard of Dress to Kill, but I've definitely seen neither of them. And no. I know you've never seen Carrie, but you've at least heard of that. He made one of the first Stephen King. All right. All right. And then in 87, he makes the first film I saw of his, and still one of my favorites to this day, The Untouchables with Costner and De Niro and uh, Andy Garcia. I didn't realize he directed that, to be honest. Yeah. That Scarface really kind of ushered him into being a commercial Hollywood filmmaker. Because before that, with the exception of, like, Carrie, he still was pretty much an indie guy. I mean, and Scarface was major studio money. It was him with a major star. It was him with a major screenwriter because that was also kind of Oliver Stone's breakout. And then after Untouchables, he makes a a war film called Casualties of War uh, that has Sean Penn and Michael J. Fox. And then Tragedy Strikes. In 1990, he made a film called Bonfire of the Vanities, starring Tom Hanks, Bruce Willis, and I believe Melanie Griffith. 
Bonfire of the Vanities was a huge book. It was a very, it was a beloved book in the way that a lot of mainstream literature is beloved. And he made the film version of it and it didn't nail the tone of the book. And it was an absolute failure. So much so, he kind of thought about never making a movie again. But he did. And we begin the scrambling phase of his career because his immediate response to the Bonfires of the Vanities backlash was he returned to the thriller genre and reunited with another of his blowout actors, uh, John Lithgow, and made Raising Kane. Um, another one I've never seen. I've heard mixed. Some people like it. Some people are like it was an, it was an attempt of desperation. But then he landed with Carlito's Way. And it, things sort of got back on track with this because this was Pacino's first project post uh, finally winning his Oscar. After years, he won Percent of a Woman instead of movies that he arguably should have won for. <laughs> True. And then, then he makes Mission Impossible, which is probably one of his biggest commercial successes. I mean... And then he blows it, and he makes Snake Eyes with Nick Cage. He makes Mission to Mars with Gary Sinise. He makes Femme Fatale in 2002 with Rebecca Romaine trying to do an erotic thriller with her. And then the biggest whiff and a miss, in my opinion, of his career, he made The Black Dahlia. Oh, God, that was just so boring. Yeah, because you think, oh, my God, someone's going to finally make a movie about this you know, horrific unsolved crime. And of course, it was based on a James Elroy book uh, who wrote L.A. Confidential. So it was just like, holy shit, De Palma, serial killers, James Elroy, and it's after L.A. Confidential. Yes, let's do this. It's one of the most boring, <laughs> unsatisfying films ever. And then, like, the last three films he's made to date, which his most recent was in 2019, and it was... And it had Jamie Lannister in it. It was a film called Domino. And uh, I didn't even know this film existed. And the part, and it doesn't surprise me because the Palma's kind of position on it was, I wish it was better. So we get to Carlito's way now. Um, this is the first project that Pacino uh, did after his uh, win for uh, Sin of a Woman, which I don't know if either of y'all have seen that movie, but it's... It's not a bad movie. I'm going to give you one guess. You've got a 50% chance of getting it right. You've never heard of the movie. No, I've heard of it. But you've never seen it. Shocker. uh, I've seen Sin of a Woman. It used to come on TV a lot. Yeah. It it was another one of those. uh, Walmart had the VHS for like seven bucks. And I was like, well, Pacino won for it. It must be great. And it's not a bad movie, but it is very much uh, one of the dead poet society wannabe movies <laughs> in which this eccentric older character tries to bond with, you know, some prep school kid, you know, like after dead poet society, everyone want, wanted more of that. So we got stuck with, uh, with honors that Joe Pesci and Brendan Fraser movie, <laughs> then sin of a woman where Pacino plays a blind man that drives a car and, you know, stops his drinking problem and gets uh, Chris O'Donnell out of some problems. I I remember liking it back in the day. I have not seen it in a long time, though. Yeah, it's just it's just cheese. It's um, 
it's just very cheesy and very, um, you know, it's it's kind of like an, if the entire movie felt like the last fifteen minutes of a Spielberg movie. Just so is this the lemon scented Scarface? Yes, because the, in in comparison to Scarface, this movie is very chill and relaxed. Uh, yeah. yeah. My like, main question is, what happened? And what was I supposed to take away from this film? Because I left feeling a lot of feelings of confusion. Okay. So, quick synopsis of the film. Pacino plays uh, Carlito Brigante. He is a Puerto Rican gangster uh, who was sentenced to 30 years in prison for things like... Um, heroin and killing people and generally just being an absolute asshat. But the district attorney played by that guy, uh, James Rebhorn, who was also the dickhead uh, headmaster in Sin of a Woman, had to release him and exonerate him because he and his department were taking part in illegal wiretapping. So Carlito got off in a technicality, but Carlito gives a very impassioned speech to the judge that he is going clean. And it was not gangster bullshit. He legitimately wanted, he was turning his life around. Upon release, um, he mentions that he wants to go to Bermuda and work at a car wash or a car. No, not a car wash. That's, car, that's clerk. That's clerks too. It's, it's, a car, it's a car rental place. That's uh, run by someone he knows. And, the only thing is, is he has to have $75,000 to buy his way into the business. His, his attorney, his coked out turn, attorney, David Kleinfeld, <laughs> played by Sean Penn. The, Sean Penn is probably one of the best parts of this movie, too. Yes. And before I continue, I'm just going to say this here and now. That was Sean Penn's real hair. He really did that to his hair. It's not a wig. He shaved it because he was trying to look like Alan Dershowitz. Uh, oh my God! Yes, well, it, it fit the it fit his part. It really it did. Re- it really did. Anyway, Carlito's hell been on going clean, and uh, Kleinfeld is willing to give him twenty five thousand dollars to go uh, manage and own and manage a nightclub that he likes going to that is basically being run by someone that does not know what they're doing. Fun fact, that character, the actor who was playing him did not speak a word of English and had to learn his lines phonetically in order to act with Pacino. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. And upon the second rewatch and having that knowledge in my head, you you can tell (laughs) it's i I think i think there was almost a sigh of relief in this in these scenes where they just spoke to each other in spanish so carlito is going to go into the business before but before he does that he hangs out with his cousin before they go out to have dinner with his aunt and the cousin is doing a heroin buy or some kind of drug buy and carlito spots immediately that things are about to go uh very bad and unfortunately the cousin is killed but carlito is able to kill all everyone else in the room and get out get away clean with twenty five thousand, or i believe it was thirty thousand uh <laughs> that the guy had and puts that money into the club carlito starts running starts running the club and he 
actually doing quite well for himself. He, uh, at a certain point uh, in his narration, mentions that he's made about 14,000, 15,000 extra on top of that. So he's like, you know, another 30, 40, I'm, I'm out and I can go live my life. Unfortunately, the DA still does not believe Carlito is going straight and sends people in to spy on him and try to get him on wiretap doing illegal shit. And even though, and even though he keeps trying to do that, Carlito is legitimately clean other than being involved with that little messy gang warfare thing, (laughs) (laughs) which I would argue is even self-defense, but you know, he had to get away from that clean. Um, So can we talk about that elephant in the room really quick? Um, Regarding the fact that Al Pacino was playing a Puerto Rican and there was not uh, a single person of color other than, you know. There were lots of persons of John, color. John Leguizamo. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that because I feel like we can milk that for a good five to ten minutes. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Pacino reconnects with Gail, his old uh, girlfriend, before uh, he went into prison who uh, is a Broadway dancer and things are not going real well. So, you know, she does the usual thing and becomes a stripper. Uh, along the way, uh, Pacino runs afoul of a gangster played by John Leguizamo called Billy, Bill, uh, Benny Blanco. He's from the Bronx. He will let you know that. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone wants Pacino to get back into the game, and Pacino is very much against doing that. We now have to pause on Carlito to talk about his lawyer, who is not just a cokehead but a scumbag, because in prison he meets with one of his clients, a mob boss named Tony T, who had given Kleinfeld a thousand, like a million dollars to make a payoff, and instead of giving it to the person, he just kept the money. He just, he just kept it. And Tony T's not an idiot. He he figures out that he, you know. He kept that money, so he has a million dollars worth of credit in his name and demands that that Dave help break him out of prison. He's in Rikers Islands, which I didn't realize was like a, a prison barge. I, I knew it was on an island because it's in the name, but I didn't realize, you know, it was basically like what it was, having never been to Rikers Island. With that, Dave needs Carlito's help. Carlito doesn't want to get involved, but eventually he, but he does because Dave's his friend. Unfortunately, and when Dave and Carlito break Tony T out and brings his son along, Dave decides it would be a good idea to kill both Tony T and his son, and thinking that this will make all of his problems go away. Unfortunately, there were more people in in that family and who. And whenever the body washes ashore, Dave is in trouble. The DA reaches out to Carlito and is just like, look, we know you're clean. We know you were probably on the boat. But if you will make, if you will testify against your lawyer, we will, you know, we, I will personally give you tickets to the Bahamas and you can leave and you are scot-free. He's like, he is offering him the deal of a lifetime on a silver platter. But Carlito, being a man of a certain code, refuses the mob makes uh, contact with dave and stabs him but unfortunately he lives and is now under police protection in the hospital carlito goes to visit dave and somehow removes the bullets from the gun that he has (laughs) leaving dave essentially defenseless 
whenever the mob comes in and executes him. And as he tries to make his way to the train, get his money from the club and train, and so he can make it to the train station to meet up with Gale, and they ride off into the sunset. The Italian mob has found Carlito, and then leads to one of the best moments of the film, which is the entire train sequence, train station sequence, which we'll get into later. Carlito is able to dispatch most of the gangsters with a little bit of help from the NYPD, but before he can get on the train, Benny Blanco from the Bronx shows up and finally executes Carlito, and then he monologues as he dies for five minutes, and it just won't stop. Which I'm not going to lie, I kind of felt like that was a very departed moment, and that's probably because I saw The Departed before this movie, yeah. but now, and now having seen that, I just... I could be wrong about where they got the inspiration, but that's what it looks like. Well, I think a lot of the the inspiration for that just came from the book because uh, Torres's books, you basically are. I know the book After Hours is in several different from several different perspectives, but it's all from the perspective of one of the characters. And since the movie is from the perspective of Carlito, he is the one narrating the film. And also, the the movie tells you he's going to die in, in the first five, as the film opens. Sammy, I think what you're supposed to walk away from this movie is that, no matter, especially in certain people's lives, when you get sucked into a certain type of lifestyle, in this case, the gang lifestyle, even though you decide, hey, I'm going to go straight, I don't want to do this anymore, it always tends to suck you back in, no matter what. Hmm. Would you say it's Almost like once I thought I was out and then they pulled me back in. Yes. To quote another Pacino movie. <laughs> exactly. It, it's just one of those, his past just keeps coming back to haunt him and he can never get away from it, no matter how hard he tries. And another takeaway from this is you have a director who made certain types of films and in need to put his career back on track. And essentially, he reunites with the star of Scarface. And the only thing missing is the the screenwriter of Scarface. (laughs) Well, Oliver Stone had his own problems by by this point. (laughs) That's very true. Personally, I think it was the stripper that pulled him back in, but that's just me. Well, the stripper represented the way out. And also, I now remember the other Al Pacino movie we did. It was Any Given Sunday. Oh, I can't. I forget. I forget we did do that one. Yes, it was so long ago. Oh yeah, because you know, I was trying to think of the Al Pacino movies I've even seen. Which I've seen. He, I've seen Any Given Sunday. I've seen. You've seen this. Um, uh, I've seen this. Um, although "seen" is a loose term in this case. Um, but have you seen him rap about Dunkin' Donuts? It is the high point of his career. I have not. <laughs> um, and then I've, I saw the majority of Devil's Rejects. No, not Devil's Rejects. Um, <laughs> yeah. Devil, yeah, hold on, no, not Devil's Rejects. Um, Devil's Advocate. Devil's Advocate, yes. Um, yeah, Devil, Devil's Rejects is a slightly different film. <laughs> which I will say, I have the best memory of that film because I'll never forget one of the, um, I took this acting course. It was like, um short intensive taught by a local guy here and he affectionately referred to that movie as the one movie where Keanu Reeves actually acted because 
Al Pacino looked him, looked at him and said, "You will act, or I will kill you." <laughs> no, that's actually inc- that's actually incorrect because what happened on that movie is Pacino said, "You see that scenery? That shit's fucking mine. I'm gonna eat every bit of it, and you're just gonna have to stand there." <laughs> um, but I can't. I'm not sure if I could think of anything else. Did he do? Was he in um, my cousin Vinny? No, that was Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. Okay, sorry. See, I couldn't even remember. It's it's been a while since I've seen it. I know but, they're both short, but Pacino's not that short. I know, but like, I just I don't know. Maybe I've seen him in another film where he played a lawyer. Like, maybe that's okay. I have because I was thinking of The Devil's Advocate. So, like, I was I was thinking of a film and I had a vision of him playing an attorney, but. I'm well, it was dev- it was Devil's Advocate, and it was in Justice for All. Gotcha. But I'm trying to. Th- I don't think I've actually seen any other Al Pacino movies that I can think of, at least. Mm, you just made a mistake because we're going to correct you of that. <laughs> this is about to become surviving Al Pacino flicks. There's there's a lot of great Al Pacino films. Yes. And then there was the one where he fell in love with uh, Adam Sandler playing his own sister. Uh. I'm going to keep bringing Jack and Jill up. Just just know that. I know, and I don't like you for it. Oh, I do think I've actually seen that. Then you've seen Al Pacino rap about Dunkin' Donuts, thus taking an absolute piss on his entire career. Yeah, but I think I saw that film like, oh God, I don't even know. Your brain just naturally blocked it out, like the trauma yes. that it was. Yes. Uh, no, I have I have very little to no memory. No, there's a very good chance I've seen more Al Pacino movies than I remember that I've seen. Yeah, I would I would say definitely the best run of oh. Al Pacino. Yeah. Never mind. Go ahead. I was gonna say the best. I would say the absolute best run for Al Pacino is either his '70s run or his '90s run. At least. From 1990 to Heat. Name the best Al Pacino movie ever made. The Godfather. Okay, yeah, there's another movie I've seen. <laughs> so, all right, the great Al Pacino movies. You have The Godfather. You have Godfather 2. You have Dog Day Afternoon. <laughs> you have... I would throw Cruising in there, but there's I think a I've lot of... Seen, I think I've seen Dog Day Afternoon too. Was that the bank robbing one? Yes. Okay, I've seen that one also. Uh, so Serpico. you've seen... Oh, Serpico and... Um, no, I'm just Serpico. No, we're just naming good Al Pacino movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Glenn, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. No. Which, is the, which um, in, the, in the Oscars where he won for Sin of a Woman for Best Actor, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and I think he deserved that one more than... He, he really did. Yeah. And not just because... He called Kevin Spacey a cunt. <laughs> and who knew? Who knew how true that would turn out? Yeah. It's like, it's like, who knew how all these years later that really it was Williamson who was the true villain in that movie? Oh, John, you're forgetting. Who taught? Do it. You're forgetting his best role ever in Dick Tracy. <laughs> um, again, Oscar nominated for Dick Tracy. And. What? Yes. Oh my and, god. And also, I kind of like Dick Tracy. It's been it, years. It is it. an absolute comic strip. 
come to life. Also, I have a weird obsession with any kind of detective uh, or gangster movie set in the 30s, whether it was made in the 30s or not. So I will not hear, I will not have Dick Tracy's slander on my podcast, sir. <laughs> and I'm not saying that because the year that movie came out, my grandmother made me a Dick Tracy costume for Halloween, and I wore that shit. <laughs> I honestly I, feel like we could do... Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, I honestly feel like we could do an entire podcast on uh, movies people should have won Oscars for, but they didn't. They won it for something else. Oh, that's good. You want to scrap this off right now and just start doing that? <laughs> Sean Connery, any movie but The Untouchables. <laughs> no, that's fair. Unfair. I I really like him in The Untouchables. Just... Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio and most of his movies other than The Revenant. You know, I, I would say uh, Leo deserves it more for Wolf of Wall Street than The Revenant. I like The Aviator. I really do. But I think Wolf of Wall Street shows how menacing he can be and how funny he can be. And you get a wider range of emotions from him in that movie than you do with The Aviator, which is not a lot. Although, again, I really do like The Aviator. We are arguing about... I am arguing about the goodness of two different Martin Scorsese movies starring Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) Also, Pacino was originally supposed to be the Jack Nicholson role in uh, The Departed. Was he? I didn't realize. Yeah. That, I didn't realize mm. that he was supposed to be in the party. I've, and if I, if you told me that, I completely forgot. <laughs> I, I think we said it on the podcast. <laughs> I slept since then. <laughs> I don't want my environment to make. I, I can't. I can't do the line. Fuck. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, geez, she felt funny. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird that you've seen Dog Day Afternoon, which is one of the last movies Pacino made before he just started yelling whenever he still had his baby voice. Well, you can thank my parents for that. Occasionally, they did force me to watch good films. They exposed you to greatness is what you were trying to say. This is this is correct. Yeah, but I think, yeah, I know we totally could do an entire podcast on that. Because I call them the uh, you should have won an Oscar by now, so here here you go, Oscars. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's a shorter name for that. It's, but it's basically the same thing. Like that's why Sean Connery wins it for The Untouchables versus some of the movies where he was a major focus and you know really flexing his acting chops. Even though, again, I do like that movie a lot. Um, DiCaprio winning it for getting mauled by a bear when he, you know, I think there, I think from about Catch Me If You Can forward, you can make a case for almost any DiCaprio movie being the one where he should have won. It's it's the gimme Oscar. It's the one you get whenever before you get your um life your lifetime achievement award. <laughs> you know what Sean Connery should have won it for? Finding <sighs> Forrester. Punch the keys! <laughs> You're the man now, dog! <laughs> that's, I remember that being in trailers. I was like, that's so bad. <laughs> that, that, was, that was me going, Gus Van Sant made it. How bad can it be? 
pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> really, really bad. It's just like for all the shit we talk about, some of the things that uh, Gus Van Sant has done, I would I would argue that that's probably the worst one. I would agree. It, yeah, and it's like as much as I hated Elephant, at least that movie served a purpose. Sorry, I just had to throw that joke in there. <laughs> I was not expecting to. You know, reference you're the man now, dog, in 2022, <laughs> but here we are. Apparently, my name is now Justin Wang. <laughs> but I'm guessing no one won an Oscar for Carlito's Way. No, no, they did not. No. Well, actually, I don't think they did. Why do you ask me these questions? And I, um, Let's no, see. it was nominated for two Golden Globes, but that's it. And what's funny about Brian De Palma, he has had as many Golden Globe nominations as he has Golden Raspberry nominations. <laughs> <laughs> the most Raspberry nominations, obviously, being for uh, Bonfire of the Vanities. But does anyone want to take a stab at what he want, had the second most nominations for? Black Dahlia. No. <laughs> that one got nothing. Snake Eyes. That, that, no. Oh. Just to uh, kill. Oh, okay. and, uh, and Black Dahlia had an Academy Award nomination. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think the most shocking thing that I found in this film was um, I had no idea Viggo Mortensen was in it, and I, I, I would have, re- I think I would have recognized him if you hadn't told me, but who knows? <laughs> well, you didn't recognize Sean Penn. <laughs> For like an no, hour. No, I had but, I had a harder time recognizing him. Yeah, and, and I was gonna say, and in your defense, nobody recognizes John Penn the first time they watched this movie. Because I remember going, "Who the fuck was he? He was the lawyer. Sean Penn was the lawyer." Like I said, he did a really good job in that role. Yeah, and I'm assuming we were talking Sean Penn and not Vigo Mortensen, and possibly. A performance more insensitive than Pacino's. <laughs> yeah, uh, talk about Sean Pence. <laughs> yeah, because ooh, I mean, I love Viggo Mortensen, and I do think he did a good job here. But it is one of those like, if you couldn't get any person of color to actually play that role, I actually kind of get it, because, just because. You know, of the whole, I gotta wear fucking diapers, man. (laughs) So, yeah. So, there is a performance in this movie slightly more uh, (laughs) insensitive than Pacino. But this is not the first time Pacino has played someone of Latin descent. Because, you know, he was a Cuban in Scarface. Um, He he was... um, a Jewish character in that um, oh god was it Amazon show about the Nazi hunters oh uh, that like everyone was on board with because Jordan Peele was be- behind it and then they actually watched it and it was just like oh fuck no <laughs> I don't was it hunters was it just called hunters it, it could have been yeah I don't even know if that show's still going I don't <laughs> I'm not, you know, other than the Twilight Zone, I haven't seen the Jordan Peele project that violently rejected by an audience. <laughs> I, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's still not, I, 
I am all obviously we're in 2022 and you know persons of the ethnicity of the character should be the ones playing the characters you know but I will argue that I still don't think this casting is as ridiculous as Highlander Joseph tell him what he's won <laughs> a brand new car woohoo <laughs> But in that movie, the main character who is Scottish is played by a Frenchman who can barely speak English. Um, Sean Connery, who is very Scottish, plays an Egyptian posing as a Spaniard. And then an American plays a Russian. (laughs) None of that makes any sense at all. No. But it's a great movie. (laughs) It's a fantastic movie. Especially whenever you realize the soundtrack track to that movie is just a queen album yeah it definitely is yeah also only watch the first one don't watch the second one and then the rest proceed with caution uh the third one's not bad yeah but really he she can just watch the first one assuming we can even get her to do that true yeah it is also very ridiculous not as ridiculous as the sequel do what there's more than one Oh, there. Oh, are you making a joke or are you genuinely asking? No, I'm genuinely asking. Okay, because you see the t- the line for Highlanders is there can only be one. Oh, but there isn't only one. Oh no, there's Highlander. There's Highlander Two: The Quickening, and there's multiple versions of that. There's what was the third one again? Uh, the Final Dimension. Yeah, and then there was Highlander Endgame. Then there was something called Highlander: The Raven. Which was a TV movie, but not connected to T- to Highlander the series. <laughs> yeah, Highlander series. I remember it being. I loved it back in the day, but it has not aged well. Yeah, I never wanted to watch the series when it was on, even though it was the only thing on Sunday night TV that wasn't um, televangelists. <laughs> it was it was fun whenever I was a kid, but I I remember seeing some of it now and I'm just like. Ooh, this hasn't aged well. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's a couple made-for-TV movies. I know one was the Raven, Speaking one was the other. another podcast that we've also talked about doing before, which is the, did this age well? Yeah, I'm... Are, um, are we talking about Carlito's Way now? <laughs> I, we I would say... Um, well, I would... I would Because I was asking, wondering if that was an actual question, because I would think... This movie didn't age badly. Um, it's just got a couple of incredibly questionable um, casting decisions, up to and including our main character. Okay, yeah. so let's play yeah. a game real quick that sometimes we play on this podcast, which mm-hmm. is, um, if this film was made in 2022, who's, who's playing Carlito? Mm-hmm. Uh, ooh, I now feel bad because the only um, Latin actor coming to my mind is Vil- Wilmer Valderrama, and that's a no. <laughs> I was thinking Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> I I like Lin, but I don't think he's got the bite because you need someone that has the bite of Pacino. You know, um, well. I, the other person I was thinking of is Oscar Isaacs, but I don't. Yeah. Like, you know, is, I that too, because I think he could really pull it off. Yeah. 
is but is Oscar Isaac, you know He's not Puerto Rican, but he is Hispanic. So he's at least in the ballpark of could pull right. this off. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think then then yeah, Oscar Isaac would be a good I mean, of course, Oscar Isaac should just be in everything. I, I think agree. I think I just think if we're remaking this movie, we still have to continue to keep John Leguizamo as Benny from the Blancs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I still want that. <laughs> well, that's obvious. Yeah. So who plays John Penn? Um. Okay, so, so the lawyer is Jewish. We actually need a Jewish actor. I'm gonna go with Jonah Hill. Oh, good, good choice. That yeah. would be, would be really good, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, who plays Penelope Ann Miller? Why are you making me think, John? <laughs> Name a blonde actress. Uh, there's none of those in Hollywood nowadays. <laughs> well, uh, no, I, Jessica Chastain would be good. The only thing about using Jessica... Well, if we use someone like Jessica Chastain in this role, we really have to beef up the role from what it is. Which is... That's not necessarily a problem. <laughs> it's just, you know, because, you know, as, as much as, you know, everyone loves, respects, and remembers Penelope Ann Miller, we, we, we would hate to outshine her in this role. I was just thinking of Charlie Crown, actually. <laughs> Again, see the Jessica Justine role. Scarlett Johansson? Again, we'd have to beef up the role. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, this is this is probably going to be this is probably going to upset Sammy, but um, I think in if we kept the role as is, someone like Blake Lively. Yeah. No, actually, I don't disagree with that statement. Okay. Oh, and then we could uh, have Ryan Reynolds uh, be the DA. <laughs> that would be really good. It would. And I guess Luis Guzman still plays Luis Guzman. Oh, so. well, he—he's the only one that can play his. Yeah. Also, he still kind of looks like his character in this movie thirty That's... years later. So. He's Jesus. <laughs> yes, but he's still Luis Guzman. So uh, the years of him being that uh, that guy, it's now it's just like, yeah, it's just still Luis. Oh, y'all do know that there was a prequel movie made for this, right? Yes, and I believe it is actually based on the Carlitos Way novel. Really? Because yeah. I was one of those, I'm like, I have never seen it, and I was just like, there's no way that's going to be good. <laughs> and? Uh, I have never seen it. No, it's just, oh. I was wondering if what you thought of it. Oh, I've never seen it. I know it exists. Um and it was written, and the film was written and directed by the son of the producer for this movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who bought the rights to play this character for, for Pacino back in the 70s. Are we ready to go into segments? Because I feel like a lot of what, you know, is left to talk about this movie is pretty much summed up in, in the segments. I'm good with you, are. Yeah, that's fine with me. All right. Then lead us away. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll start where we always start with uh, what did John think of the soundtrack? Oh, well, this is a monologue. 
I'm going to begin by saying, have you done ever done the absolute right thing and it's still not right? Sometimes, yeah. Uh, okay, so... <clears throat> sure. All right. So, when we think of soundtracks that aren't scores, like the, the you know, the musical score, certain, fil- certain films set in certain time periods have a certain track, a soundtrack. Like, anything made in the 60s is going to, or about the 60s, is going to have what we call the Vietnam soundtrack. Which means, you know, it's kind of like Forrest Gump. You're going to have, like, a couple of folk songs from the early 60s, maybe some kind of, like, doo-wop, early rock and roll. And then you're going to have an ass load of Creedence Clearwater Revival. Pretty much Fortunate Son, if you're lucky, up around the bend, that kind of thing. But it's, like, everything about... There's, like, a certain handful of tracks that encompass that one era. 80s and 90s soundtracks, and I'm talking about the ones that are playing contemporary music, were usually pretty good because they were highlighting bands that were up and coming. So, like, anything John Hughes was doing was like, who is cool in the 80s? Or, like, one of Joseph's favorite movies, Singles, it was basically, who's hot in Seattle right now? And it was just like, all, every, all the great grunge and Seattle artists except for Nirvana. This movie is set in the 70s, which, um, and so there is a certain soundtrack you have to have that goes with the 70s, and it's the disco soundtrack. And this has so many of the cliche disco songs in it, like um, Lady Marmalade, Boogie Shoes, and it's like, I've heard these movies a thousand times, in other movies, and I thought they worked better. I, I think the better music was whenever um, the rare moments, whenever you're here hearing something, you know, more more Latin themed music. Like I didn't want to hear Boogie Shoes in, uh, you know, in this movie. I wanted to hear more Santana or you know what the Latin club hits of the seventies. That's what what I wanted. I mean, and it was at the end of it, it was day at the end of the day, it was fine, except for one song absolutely ruined this whole thing. And they play it fucking twice. And it's, you are so beautiful. And mm-hmm. it is the most out of place song. And then they fucking like, I get it for a love scene, but I would have picked like, I would have just done like some kind of score for like the love scene between uh, Carlito and, um, Gail, but to play that song over the closing credits, I wanted to throw something at my TV. So at the end of the day, while a lot of this music was right for the movie in a way, I hated it, and I, I know I don't like the soundtrack to this movie. <laughs> if I want to hear well, Boogie okay. Shoes, uh, yeah. If I want to hear Boogie Shoes again, I'm just gonna watch Last Days of Disco again. So I'm guessing. Given the uh, time period, there was probably a Roger Ebert review. There was, but we first have to do the Rotten Tomatoes score. And I do have to that. The Rotten Tomatoes score is for this one. Sammy, you want to go first? And I'll and I'll be honest, I don't know. I'm gonna go pretty. I'm gonna go pretty high on critic score, and I'm gonna say like a eighty-nine percent. 
Oh, oh wow. Okay. All right, for critic score, I'm going to go still in the fresh range, but I'm not going to go super high. Um, I'm going to go with like a 75. Well, it is at an 81%. Oh, so like in the middle of what we were saying. Yeah, pretty much. It's smack dab in the middle. Uh, yeah, it was. it's a really well-liked movie critically. Uh, and I think there's even... A few somewhat recent reviews, yeah, that, that really liked it. Uh, but sometimes the audience score can be a little bit different. Sometimes. It's, um, okay, so higher or lower? No, no, no. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to guess. <laughs> Don't ask for hints. <laughs> <laughs> You're the worst. I am. Um, okay, fine. Um. I'm, I'm going to say the audience score was a little bit higher on this, and I'm going to give it like an 86. All right. I'm going to go with the audience came in expecting Scarface and liked what they saw, but it wasn't Scarface. So I'm going to stick with my 75. Well, um, this is actually higher than the uh, critic score. It's at a 91%. Really? Yeah. Uh, and so Carlitos Way is, is a pretty well-liked film. It just doesn't get talked about as much. It doesn't because it came after, you know, his peaks and his crater. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, so it's, it's very well-liked. The people that have watched it have liked it for the most part. Mm-hmm. Well, not only do I have a Roger Ebert review, and, Joseph, I, I am very disappointed you were not on the worst – person in the world episode because i finally had an armand white review uh what did that moron say about that one he 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 didn't like it i don't want to go back yeah so and naturally i don't have a uh, an armand white review for this oh thank christ but i have a gene siskel review and what's great about this movie is they were split on this movie one liked it a lot and the other one didn't hate it, but he didn't like it. Let me, can I can I guess? Yeah, I was gonna say y'all guess which one, who, who was who. I want to say I could be completely wrong, but I want to say Roger Ebert liked it and Siskel did not. Mm-hmm. Sammy, do you agree or do you want to do the opposite? No, I'm gonna go with Roger liked it. Well, y'all are right, Roger. <laughs> Gave this three and a half out of four stars. He um, he said, in Scarface, the hero's ambitions led only to power, lust, and greed. Here's something more complicated is taking place. Carlito has grown enough to see himself from the outside, to understand some of the mistakes he made, to plot a way to escape from what seems to be the inevitable inevitable fate of his of people in his position, yet step by step and scene by scene, his fate is sealed. Gene <laughs> gave this... Two out of four stars. Uh, he said Pacino never gets a full fix on his Latino accent. And no, no, he doesn't. <laughs> uh, lapsing at times into some into the same Southern drawl he used in Sin of a Woman. Beyond that, he is sad in all of the familiar Pacino ways. The suspicion is that he agreed to this film out of a debt to De Palma and possibly before he, he knew the statue of that Sin of a Woman would bring him. <laughs> <laughs> And um, we haven't done this in the last couple of weeks, uh, but I was thinking about what we were doing the, the research or 
as we were doing, as I was doing the research for the film, um, I looked up to see if this movie uh, passed or failed the Bechtel test, and it did not have an entry. I'm going to go with it failed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to go with it failed. Yeah, I don't because there are two named female characters in this movie. I don't recall them even being in the same scene together. Or if they were, they definitely didn't talk. Yeah. Yeah. And almost every conversation in this movie is either about Carlito, Tony, or Dave. So. True. Yeah. So uh, I don't have the official Bechdel test entry, but I think it's a pretty clear cut. Yeah, this didn't pass. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I don't really think I had a creepier romantic moment from this film. But I am going to ask a segment we have not done in a while. Do you okay. think this film had a you-can't-handle-the-truth moment? I do, and we'll cover that in Best Line, but I have a creepier romantic moment. Go for it. Okay. Whenever he, Carlito goes to see Gail, and she's basically telling him she won't sleep with him until he, unless he kicks the door in, and you, yeah. see, and you see her you know, leaving the door cracked and starting to get undressed, and he just... Boom! <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it, it might be a little bit romantic, but I know the, the landlord is pissed the next day whenever he had to fix the, the door lock. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, I actually kind of forgot about that part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So before we go into best line, worst line, and this was my best line, uh, but I'm going to say it is. You can't handle the truth line because. This line was sampled in a Slipknot song. Really? Yeah. And the line is, Here come the pain! Oh. Yeah. This movie was kind of sampled in a, a Crystal Method song as well. And an Ice... And, uh, not an Ice Cube. It was in a Notorious B.I.G. song. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> but, but I feel so stupid and as a Slipknot fan. For years, I thought that sample was screaming, pick up the pace. <laughs> I didn't realize it was Here Come the Pain until I was uh, doing the research and saw it had been sampled in so many films, including Slipknot. I'm like, what song did they sample it in? And I was like, oh, jeez. <laughs> I hear it now. <laughs> well, I'll tell you mine. I still think my favorite was I'll tell you something. Car re- car rental guys don't get killed that much. Because <laughs> I, I heard that line multiple times because I listened to that Crystal Method album. Yeah, a lot, and I was yeah. like, I knew that line before the I even saw the movie. Yeah, um, Sammy, I thought you were a big fan of uh, his monologue at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, that too. So that was the other thing I was going to mention. I, I loved that opening scene with his monologue because all I've got to say is that is definitely some stuff that um, I'm pretty sure some of our clients have wanted to say to the judge. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, no, never can. And that no, as an no. attorney is what you scream at your client to not say to the judge. Yeah. I believe we referred to that as a, sir, this is a Wendy's moment. Um, one of my favorite lines is actually from that scene, but it wasn't from Pacino. It, it was uh, the judge, who was played by director Paul Maz- uh, Mazursky, who uh, um, I guarantee you 
most of you, uh, both of y'all have not heard of most of his films. Um, I believe he directed Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. It's going to be the only one I can see Joseph knowing. But he also directed a, An Unmarried Woman with huh. Jill Clayburg, And that is an underrated movie. Would love to do that on the show someday. Who dated Pacino, I believe. I believe she was the one that dated Pacino for a while. Anyway. Was, but anyway, uh, Paul Mazursky played the judge, and he was like, like Mr. Brigante, you're not accepting an award here. The the and the irony of the fact that if uh, depending on where they were in production, he he was either about to or had just accepted an award. Okay, this is a completely random thought, and I don't know why this just came to me. Maybe I'm the only I'm probably the only one who thinks this is funny. But while we're talking about best lines, this does talking about Al Pacino does make me think about. Do you remember when we did? He's just not that into you for. Um, the show yeah. mm-hmm. and it's that part where she she's talking to jennifer aniston her sister and she's like oh no it's not bad you're not married plenty of people have never been married and they're perfectly happy look at al pacino never been married happy as a <laughs> um does anybody I, have any worse lines well i had one more best line and it was uh one of sean penn's when they when they're having the house party and he's just looking out and he's just yelling at it like I don't have it word for word, but he's yelling at his uh, friend for getting a hand job on the lawn. And he's just like, people are eating. <laughs> so you asked about worst lines? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't really have any. Nothing, like, particularly stuck out to me. Um, I will die happy if I never have to hear Benny Blanco from the Bronx, uh, from the Bronx again. I keep wanting to say block because in my head I keep going Benny from the Bronx, Jenny from the block. Well, that's a, a comparison. <laughs> well, I mean, it's almost a, it, it, both lines rhyme. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't have anything that really stuck out to me whatsoever. Like, uh, I didn't think anything was particularly egregious. Okay, so I'm the only one that was absolutely irritated that Pacino had a monologue that he was narrating as he was dying. Okay, that was mildly irritating. Yeah. But also, I do have to say that we missed something in our... um, If this film was made in 2022, definitely Al Pacino would have been played by Jennifer Lopez. I, n- I now want this with Oscar Isaac, you know, being gunned down by Jennifer Lopez at the end of the movie. <laughs> as long as we still have the chain, the the, the, the chase sequence, sometimes. <laughs> John Leguizamo will be pissed, but we'll give him a better role. I don't know what. Like I waited for thirty fucking years, and I'm still a minor character. So he John can play Le- Vigo. He can play Vigo Mortensen's role. <laughs> You know, John Leguizamo actually does deserve more in his career. He's he's far more talented than he, he doesn't he get all of his talent. He absolutely does. Yeah, and it's like, but but also with Leguizamo, it's like for everything that um, he does great, and a lot of his like um, one man shows. I don't want to say stand up shows because they are a little bit you know more than just a regular stand up stuff. Um, because they were written as one-man shows. Um, you know, for every good thing he does, there's a, a, a The Pest. Well, that's true. But at the same yeah. time, that's 
not. I don't think it's completely his fault. He's just trying to make sure he's working. I, didn't he write that movie? Hell, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like the pest was entirely John Leguizamo's fault. It, it may have been, but we, we forgive him for that. No, we don't. Yes, we do. And I, I kind of enjoy that movie on a, a really bad level. <laughs> I swear to God, if you make us watch that movie. I'm not going to do that. Dude. I'm not going to be responsible for what Sammy does to you. I won't do that to Sammy because Sammy will be like, what the fuck did I watch? In fact, he's going to assist me when we hide the body. <laughs> when that movie shows up on the schedule, I'm already going to have the hole dug. You thought you were mad at me with, and I'm a lawyer. I can get us out of it. Joseph, you seen Casino? You remember what happened to Pesci at the end of that movie? Oh yeah, that wasn't very good. (laughs) When the dirt goes on top of you, you were still technically bleeding or breathing. Is the word (laughs) both? I think he was doing both. (laughs) See, right now John's laughing, but if he ever makes us watch Caligula. It's it's going to be the same thing. You know, it might almost be worth it. Because here's the thing. Well, here, here's the thing. Caligula, John's lived a good life. No. Caligula <laughs> was at least an attempt to make a good movie. It was destroyed by the producer. I will be the first to admit that. But here's the thing. Would you rather sit through a kind of long, just boring movie or an absolute, or the equivalent, the cinematic equivalent of a seven-year-old poking you in the side? Because that's the past. Neither. Yeah. There, there is a. This is like less... the worst game of Would You Rather ever. <laughs> I, I is waterboarding be... an option? You can do the R-rated cut of Caligula. Might make more goddamn sense. <laughs> <laughs> There's no guarantees though. No, because I think Gu- Guccione edited both versions. <laughs> Like why did why did he have a beard four minutes ago? <laughs> Who needs continuity anyway? I I believe that was what what Guccione carved into the editing bay. <laughs> continuity be damned. Let's have these two chicks make out and then pee on a corpse. <laughs> what? <laughs> that may or may not have happened in Caligula. I will neither confirm nor deny, but it totally happened. <laughs> I there are so many Part things that wonders where people come up with this shit, but two girls, one cup, and the human centipede both are things that exist in okay. this world. So, so while so we're not nothing doing the shocks Calig- me anymore. So while we're not doing the Caligula episode right now, let me just say that Bob Guccione fired the director and re-edited the movie because it wasn't sexy enough, and he inserted fifteen minutes of hardcore footage into the movie thus making it the least sexy porno ever committed to film, and I'm including Bat Pussy in that. <laughs> Actually, you know what? No, Bat Pussy is still the least sexy porn ever made, because at least the people in Caligula knew how to fuck. I do not want to know why you know any of that. So we're just going to skip over that, and we're going to move on to the Did We Survive? <laughs> No, we still have more segments. Oh, I'm sorry, the good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> well, the ugly is clearly bat pussy. Um, <laughs> all right. The good. I have a good. We need to talk about it. And it's um, the thing that this movie is known the most for. In almost every De Palma film, there is, like, a huge sequence 
the big one in Untouchables was um, at the train station where um, they saved the baby and gunned down the mobster and saved the bookkeeper all in one time. In this movie, it is the train station chase. From uh, It's like a 12-minute sequence, but it is the highlight of this film, where Pacino is running from the, the Italian mob, escapes them, takes them out, and then uh, you know, is gunned down by Jimmy from the block. I, I did that on purpose. So, but I think that's, in this entire two and a half hours, that is probably the best and most De Palma moment of that i also was a huge fan of um when carlito and his cousin go and visit uh you know the guys who will inevitably betray him like at the beginning and the end there are two like really great sequences i'm done if y'all want to fill in gaps (laughs) kind of a weird thing to say but i did actually like the way this film was structured i mean i liked the way it started I guess it's you know despite the fact that I asked a lot, I asked a lot of questions, the storyline made sense. Like I mean I I liked the way they weaved in the subplots. I thought the subplots were well fleshed out. You know with him and the stripper, and then with Benny Blanco, and there was the use of minor characters in this film. I thought they did mm-hmm. a really good job of that. The minor characters served a purpose. They weren't just there for no reason. Yeah. So that's. I have to say, uh, that's one of the big things I would give a lot of credit to. I mean, I would assume De Palma. The only thing I can say is that what we really haven't talked, anything we haven't really talked about yet or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I just, I really liked how, like, how what Sammy said, I liked how it's structured. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought, for the most part, the acting's really well done. Yeah. And uh, speaking on the structure, De Palma and screenwriter David Kep, um did keep it, you know, you know, flowing chronologically because the book, I believe it did jump around in time a lot, usually because, you know, it was someone narrating. So it's like me trying to tell a story. It was just like, you know, oh, we were ripping off these one, these guys last week, but it was related to some shit that happened in 74. And then a guy from there was in the movie Caligula and then just all over the place. It's almost but, like a Tarantino. <laughs> yeah, but like, like I like a lot of the this. Uh, I liked just how this movie went and how it just kind of kept you wondering what the hell is going to completely yeah. happen because you knew he was going to die, but at the same time you were just kind of like, well, maybe he'll pull it off at the last minute, but no, he doesn't. <laughs> right, and you know, I'm I'm going to kind of second Sammy was saying De Palma on this like. I mean, this is, like, the next-to-last great movie he did. I would definitely say Mission Impossible was the last great one he did. I know you like Snake Eyes for whatever dark part of your soul <laughs> bonded to that movie. Who, me? <laughs> yes, you. Well, it's just because it's snaky. Snakey? Wow, Sammy's never heard of Snake Eyes. <laughs> oh, I remember when this movie came out, and it, it's... Nicholas Cage, that pure Nicholas Cage. <laughs> yeah. This is the post face off Nick Cage, but but it's just you see you can still see, you know, the guy that made Blowout and the guy that made 
dressed to kill and body double. And you still see that. And you definitely see the guy that made untouchables here. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because this is definitely more untouchables De Palma than it is Scarface De Palma. She's like, this is not what I just would just sit down and watch. I was like, "Uh, you kind of do have to be in the mood for this type of movie, actually. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. think this is just one you're just going to throw on, but if you're not in the right mood for it, it will be feel like it's going to be yeah. long. And I, and I will admit, when we when she and I were both trying to watch it last week in prep, um, neither of us really wanted to watch it because it felt like homework, but we had to because we thought we were talking about it the next day. Um, I And it felt a little bit like homework when I started it today because I'm like, uh, the fucking model, the the voiceover, the monologuing, it's really no, but as, but honestly, between both times Pacino gets shot in this movie, <laughs> the rest of the movie, I was just like, okay, I'm really kind of into this movie now. Um, I would say the only bad and ugly thing about this movie, I mean, we can talk about the white people playing people of color thing until we're blue in the face. And technically, uh, technically, Pacino is a person of color because he is Sicilian. So, I mean, they, you know, they're technically not white people, but, you know, it's, it's still like, you know, we, you shouldn't have an Italian playing a Puerto Rican. But honestly, the, the, the monologuing in this movie is insufferable. And I think a lot of the relationship parts of this movie could have been cut out. But the rest of this movie was, you know, I, I mean, I definitely agree. Like, it is easier to watch The Untouchables than this movie. Um, I would say it's even easier to watch, like, Family Paradise, Carrie, Dress to Kill. Um, I, I, say, I would honestly say you'd ha- I have to be in the mood to watch Scarface, but I'm going to go ahead and say my thing now. Prior to the rewatch, I still would have said I preferred this movie to Scarface, but I've seen Scarface before I watched this movie, and I'm like, I kind of like Scarface a lot more now. It's still not one of my favorites, but that movie has um, an insane energy to it. One might say fueled by cocaine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like, you almost wonder, like, um, was the coke on set real, or because <laughs> if I'm going to invest two and a half hours in something, I need the ability sometimes to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's why sometimes when Sam and I are talking and I'm scrolling looking for something, it's just like uh, this movie's an hour and fifty minutes. Do do I have do I have the energy? <laughs> it's eight p.m. I've become that person, and then I'll just see like oh, an hour and thirty two minutes, perfect. I could finish that no problem. <laughs> yeah, and finish neither of them as I fall asleep, <laughs> like the old man that I am. Okay, so for the big question, although I think it's fairly obvious, mm-hmm. but we ask it anyway. Yes. All right. Unlike Carlito, <laughs> Joseph, Sammy, did you survive? <laughs> Carlito's away. I, I guess I'll go first because it's like yeah, you picked it, this one. <laughs> I picked, uh, it's pretty clear what I uh, what I think about this. Yeah, I survived it. I really like this movie still, 
And I, even though you prefer Scarface a little bit more, I still prefer this over Scarface. And I'm not saying Scarface is a bad movie. Yeah. I just prefer it a little bit more. I do have a question. How, when was the last time you saw Scarface? Uh, it's been a while. Okay, I, um, I, I, I want to say watch Scarface again. I mean, yeah. but at the same time, I, I think I have to... I think I'm going to be able to say confidently, I think I would prefer this one a little bit more, but like I said, not mm-hmm. to dis- disrespect Scarface or anything, it's just yeah. I kind of more my style, I guess. I still want you to rewatch Scarface. <laughs> just, you know, just because I think the manic energy of that movie might appeal, appeal to you a little bit more now, but I could be oh. wrong. I could be wrong. Uh, Sammy? Kind of reminds me of my feelings on heat. <sighs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I said, don't be offended, John. Just crossing my arms for unrelated reasons. <laughs> Where I just, you know, um, had I watched this film like I did with heat in the same weekend that I watched Shaving Private Ryan and A Few Good Men, it would have also been my third favorite movie. I still think that this movie is better than Saving Private Ryan. I mean, Heat is better than Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> Same. So, that, that's kind of where it falls, but I did survive it. You know, he doesn't have Matt Damon looking sad at the eye, at the sky as he morphs into an old man at the end. <laughs> did I earn, No line in Heat is as irritating as did I earn this. But go on. <laughs> Look, a few good men kicked both of it, both those films' asses. So I, you know. Okay, look, a few good men and Heat are in my top 100 films of all time. I do slightly think I do think Heat is the better film, but a few good men is the easier to watch film. That's fair. And they are both quotable on the same level to me. I mean, we we have a segment that we rarely use, named after it, a few good men line. The rewatchables has the book about metals line. So here we are. Also, a few good men is not like three hours long, so it has that going for it. It is meticulously paced, and also, also once you get into that, that movie doesn't feel like three hours. Shut up, no, Joseph! It does I know not. you're about to agree with. Her. Thank you, Aaron Sorkin. Co- coming soon to Surviving Chick Flicks Heat. <laughs> I will bring you to my level. Have Aaron Sorkin rewrite Heat, and we'll talk. I think Aaron Sorkin would argue, why would I do that? I, I feel like Aaron Sorkin would be like, why? Heat is a perfect film. Because for one, I had to do no work. <laughs> I've listened to a lot of interviews with that man. I can, I can get into his mindset slightly. Um, is this where I uh, say whether or not I survived? Yes, as if the audience okay. you know. Well, I will say, had we done this a week ago, it would have been a barely survived. I, I, I'm just going to sit here and say, a week ago, I, I was kind of like Sammy, not in the mindset to watch this movie, and it was moving at such a turtle, at like a turtle's pace. I was just like, can this movie pick up, pick up the pace? Rewatching it today, I, I am now very much. I'm not going to say I, like, I strongly survived. Would watch this in an infinite loop. I I do survive this movie a lot stronger than I would have last week. I think watching it twice 
was very beneficial, at least to me, because I'm like, okay, I see, I see the movie I saw 20 years ago when I was declaring this was better than Scarface. I, now my opinion has involved, like, I think Scarface is still the better movie, but this is a very good movie. Like, if I was to do a top 10 the Palma films, and this may be something I do later, uh, just for funsies. Um, this is going to be in the nine or ten spot because I have to wrestle with myself. Like, uh, do I put uh, white actors in, uh, you know, brown face over transphobia and misogyny, or do I think Dress to Kill is a better movie? <laughs> like, this and Dress to Kill are going to occupy the nine and ten spots. Uh, but I do think this is. A really good Brian De Palma film. Um, I still prefer the pre-Bonfire of the Vanities era of um, De Palma a lot. But this is a really good one. And if you like Pacino, if you like crime films, and this really isn't... I mean, there are moments of violence in this movie, but it's not like the shoot 'em up kind of movie from start to finish. There is a... You know, he's telling... He's telling a story of a man trying to have a redemption arc, and it goes horribly wrong. Well, it, it's—I wouldn't say it goes wrong. I, I would say it's just you know a man trying to escape a fate that is inevitable. True, and on some level, he even knows that that fate is inevitable, but he still you know, tries to find his way out of it. So, yeah, I, I recommend this one. I recommend Blowout more. All right. But since we're not doing Blowout or apparently Caligula next week, uh, what are we doing next week? Well, next week... Um, it's Caligula, and I finally get my wish. No, but it is Ryan Reynolds shirtless. So, infinitely better. I mean, yeah, but... <laughs> No, I am forcing both of y'all to watch The Proposal because now we have to do my Betty White film. <laughs> like eight months after she passed away, we, we finally, you finally get your way. All right, so tune in next. next. I'm not even going to say next week. I'm just, <laughs> just going to be real and be like, on the next episode, whenever it gets dumped on you, it's The Proposal. All right. So, does anyone have anything they want to uh, shout out? Because I got a bunch. Uh, nope. I don't have anything. All right. So, um, y'all know how I don't binge watch TV? Yeah. I have been binging, like, three series lately. <laughs> well, well, I've com- I completed one. I completed a second one today, and I started a third, but... Um, since we weren't, we didn't record when the when the series dropped. I'm going to jump on the sand wa- the, the sandwagon. Wow, the, yeah, the sandwagon and pimp the Sandman, like everyone else has that has watched that show. Uh, but today, I also finished uh, the new Neil Patrick Harris show on Netflix, um, Uncoupled, a show I did not want to get invested in. But I somehow did, and I found it to be delightful. And I also started the new uh, Amazon series version of uh, A League of Their Own. I'm only one episode in, but I'm liking it so far. Um, I see shades of the movie, but it was a little jarring hearing 
the word fuck in it just because I'm like, but the show, but the movie was so family friendly and wholesome. But I have a feeling this one's going to be a little bit more realistic. But um, Abby Jacobson from uh, Broad City, she is one of the co-creators of the show and she's doing a really, she did a really good job so far. So I'm liking it and can't wait to see when Nick Offerman uh, pops up in the show. I kept it brief. But everyone watched The Sandman, and um, by the time this uh, the next week's episode happens, uh, maybe I'll have opinions on House of the Dragons or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna be honest. I'm not excited about it or the Lord, or, or the new Lord of the Rings show coming, just because I'm not really prepared to get invested in something where I have to learn a hundred people's names again. Yeah, that's so. fair. Yeah. That and they just they may not be that great. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't want to get my hopes up, but I also don't want to be uh negative Nancy about it, but at the same time I'm just not excited about it. But I'll, I'll give them, yeah, but I'll give them a try. But listeners, thank you for giving us a try another week. If this is your first episode, uh please go back and listen to the back catalog and you know, we got some rookie numbers going on, we gotta pump them up. Uh Sammy and Joseph, thank you for doing this. And then, and uh, until next week, uh, bye, everyone. Surviving Chick Flicks is brought to you by The Circle of Jug. The show is edited by John, and all clips used are the property of their copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and leave us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get the show. If there's anything you would like us to cover on the show, or just drop us a line at survivingchickflicks at gmail.com. The show is copyright 2022, Circle of Jug Productions, all rights reserved. Adios, counselor.